Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 president-elect for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing a talent development professional with more than 25 years of experience in driving strategic change to improve organizational and individual performance, the owner of Parksy Consulting and the co-author of Measurement Demystified, Measurement Demystified Field Guide and Learning Analytics Second Edition, Peggy Parsky. Welcome, Peggy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is really great. Before we jump into our topic of Measurement Demystified, please share a little bit more about yourself with our listeners. Oh, absolutely. Uh, The way I describe myself is kind of a math person. I got a lot of training in college and graduate school in math and statistics and in business. And um, I certainly applied a lot of it to some degree or another in my career. But In 2000, I had been working on a really interesting knowledge management program at Hewlett Packard Company, and I moved into learning and development. I was heading up a team of performance measurement and management consultants, and we were really trying to change the way we did performance consulting within the organization. And things were moving along swimmingly. And then 2002, we had our first layoffs ever in the company. And the person who got laid off, one of them was a gentleman who was doing measurement and evaluation for learning. And somehow it fell into my lap. I wasn't sure whether it was a gift or whether I was being punished. It wasn't really clear at the time because I had never done it before. I didn't know what any of this language was. What are those levels and who's Kirkpatrick and why should I care? And so I ended up taking it on. And much to my surprise, I fell in love with it because it was this culmination of everything I'd been doing up until that point in my career. And I just I just really, really loved working on it. And then in 2005, I left HP and started on my own, uh, ended up um, joining an organization that ultimately got acquired by a company based in Canada called Explorance. And I am a principal consultant with them. I also do consulting on my own. But then in 2012, um, because I didn't have enough to do, I started to work with David Vance, and he was really the founder of the Center for Talent Reporting. And so I became the hit, the assistant director, he's executive director. And it's out of that uh, relationship and the work that we've done over the last 10 years that Measurement Demystified and the Field Guide was born. So a little, little bit about me and the, my trajectory over the years. Very interesting. Now, Peggy, most talent development professionals understand the importance and benefits of measurement of analytics and reporting, but many have no prior knowledge or experience with measurement or even know how to recognize a valuable resource. The book that you co-authored with David Vance, 
Measurement Demystified introduces a new simplified framework for measurement and reporting. Can you share with our listeners what this framework is about? Sure. One of the things that we discovered as Dave and I were working in the early days of Center for Talent Reporting was that First of all, there's sort of a lack of understanding of why we measure. And the idea was that that most people just thought of it, well, I just measure stuff and I evaluate it. But what we discovered is a lot of people were monitoring measurement and not actually using it to manage the operation. So we started really thinking about, well, if the reason that you're measuring is monitoring, well, that has implications for what you will or will not do with that data. But if the reasons are managing, that's a whole nother level up. And that's a capability that really we found didn't exist within L&D. And so that's one piece of it. The other piece of it was to really start thinking about measurement in these three big buckets. Uh, One bucket is efficiency measures, which are the traditional activity measures that we've been collecting for you know, eons. But then we want to add in the effectiveness measure. So we know how much, well, how well is it going? What's the quality? And then the third one, which has become a bit of a holy grail within L&D is what's the outcome? What's the so what of all of that? So there's that piece of it, which is the this notion of these three elements of efficiency, effectiveness, and outcome. And then the last component is to say, depending upon the reasons you're measuring, you have to think about reporting. If you don't report on it, you don't report on it that is aligned with how you, you know, what your reasons are, then you're not going to be able to give stakeholders the data they need to take action. And that seems to be really the big, big challenge that we have with data. So we introduce those three within the book and then stitch it all together with, all right, given those, then how do you create a strategy for not just what you measure, but how you report? I love it. Now, for those of us that are laymen in measurement stuff, can you give maybe a case study or an example so people can maybe visualize this framework in action? Sure. Um, so one of the things that that I, I work a lot with clients on developing measurement strategies. And so one of the things that we find when I start working with organizations is is really starting with, okay, why are you measuring? Tell me, Show me the reports that you have. And a lot of these reports are scorecards and dashboards. And I asked the question, well, do you have any, any indicators of success of what your goals are? And we find that most dashboards don't have any goals. They just have, here's what happened, <laughs> which is fine. But we, then I ask, well, what are you doing with that? And what it turns out is people find that, oh, I'm actually just monitoring. And if something bad happens, there's, you know, a result that's really out of some range, then I do something about it. So we use that to then have the conversation of, well, can you go further? Can you start to think about which measures do you actually need to manage? Which means then that now you have to set a goal. And if you set a goal, then you have to actually have a plan to achieve it. (laughs) And then you have to get data on it. And then you have to take action if you haven't achieved your goal. And then you should actually also forecast where you're going to be at the end of the year. So what we I try to do is sort of walk people through what's the consequence of just, for example, monitoring something versus what you would do differently when you manage. And that's usually a really big leap for most organizations who spend a lot of time monitoring versus managing. Mm. 
really interesting to hear you talk about that too. And it gets me kind of thinking a little bit about that stakeholder perspective. One of the challenges that you can run into certainly is how you present information to stakeholders. And I'm thinking about some of the engagements I've had where stakeholders are sometimes they're looking for this very specific narrative or story to come out of data and results. And sometimes that's not necessarily what they're going to get. I'm curious how you how you select reports how do when you're you're thinking about putting a report together determining how you're going to present data based on what the data is as opposed to perhaps fitting it to a narrative someone might be looking for how do you go about choosing the way that you provide that information or that data to a stakeholder group that's a great question there's a lot of ways to answer that i'm going to i'm going <laughs> to take a couple i'm going to take a couple of oh, examples of, of some things yeah. that i've done recently so so one of the things that stephanie that you've mentioned which i think is important here is being able to find the story in yeah. the data right what is the story now what i do sometimes with clients is i will ask them in advance do you have any hypotheses about what you think is going to happen and that actually can inform a couple of things one it can inform actually what you measure and it also can inform how you want to start looking at the data to see if those hypotheses bear out um I have an example where a client had said, listen, we have this big program that we put out across the globe. We really expect that the U.S. is going to be really far ahead of Europe. Let's see if that's the case. And then when we find, no, that's not what happened. Now we start to dig into, well, why? What was it that you assumed? What what was different about the data? Can we dig in and understand what's going on underneath? So part of the, the presentation of the story actually is a bit evolutionary. What I always do with clients is I'll present, here's my first cut, and this is what I'm seeing. What questions do we need to answer that you don't feel are answered by this narrative? And can we answer them? I mean, if we were smart, then it's somewhere in that data. And so I find that oftentimes I have a first presentation with a stakeholder. They'll say, well, what about, and what if we look at this? And how about if we look at that? And then, then now the story starts to emerge as to what's going on. The beauty of that is that the stakeholder knows their environment better than I do. I don't work in their world. I don't know the details. And so what happens is not only do they start to dig into the data and understand it, but then they start becoming adept at being able to communicate it out, which is my goal because I can't be there for all the times they're going to communicate it. So, um, and there's actually a method that I think we talk about briefly in the book is this concept of data parties where you get a bunch of people together and we look at the data and we say, what's the story in the data? And how do, and, and then everybody now, when you do it in a group, everybody has something they can contribute. So it actually becomes sort of a group learning of how to look at the data and then everyone now walks away and they're also able to tell the story. So that's kind of it's it I I see it as something not a here's here's some stuff I hope you find something interesting. I see it as a way of us collectively finding out what that story is. You know, what I absolutely love about that is it's that opportunity for everybody to understand the role that they play in getting data in 
analyzing data and what they do next with that data. Because I think one of the biggest challenges organizations can face is collecting data that they then don't use, you know, asking questions and getting feedback that they really either don't know how to incorporate, or in some cases, worst case scenarios, maybe they have no real intention of using that. This gives people an opportunity to really play a role in understanding what they're bringing in, how that might be able to improve the work they do, how it can improve what they're able to produce for their learners, maybe even tie into improve learner outcomes further down the road. I mean, what a fun way to be able to help people recognize the value that they bring to that conversation. Absolutely. And and it's so important. I mean, one of my overriding things. When I first tell a client or I start working with a client, I said, my goal is sustainability here. Mm. My goal isn't for me to come in and be smart and tell you, you know, smart things. My goal is for you to get smart and to be able to then keep taking this forward because I don't do my clients any service if they don't leave the work that we do smarter and feeling that they are competent to move it forward. So that's always my overriding goal. And I want them to learn how to do this themselves. And it sounds like this is completely scalable. Like, uh, is that correct? Like a smallest project up to huge? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've worked on on small things. I've, I've worked on really, really large things. I think it's really just a matter of who are the right stakeholders to get involved and when. The yeah. timing is really essential because yeah. I, because there are certain stakeholders who you don't want to get involved too early. If you've got a really senior executive and you're still evolving the story, you probably don't want to take it to them. But on the other hand, once you have that story and you have some clear actions of what needs to happen, now that needs to get to those senior leaders who can then orchestrate the collective action of the organization. So, yeah, so this all this whole approach is something that's not dependent upon size of the organization. So I do want to kind of take us back to the basics. And um, in, in the book, you recommend to ask the question, why do we want to measure in the first place? Can you explain to our listeners why asking ourselves that question is so important? Well, I think that's a great question. So thank you, Letitia, for, for, for asking that. It's I think what happens is that we always assume the reasons that we're measuring are the same. Um, we actually take it for granted and and they're not. So what it what changes are a couple of things. Depending upon why you measure, it does change how you report. So if I'm really just measuring to inform then I can send out a scorecard and here it is. Here's the data. Take a look at it. You know, hope you find something interesting. If I am measuring to manage, then I have to do different things. We talked about, I need to have those goals. I need to be able to report it differently. And also, if I'm measuring one of our reasons to measure is to evaluate and analyze, well, that's a whole different approach altogether. And it involves different uh, different ways of engaging stakeholders. It involves getting different kind of information. There's all sorts of methodology behind that. And and in particular, for example, if you're trying to do an ROI, that's going to be a whole nother level of work. So understanding why you're measuring will actually change the work you do and how you report it. And, and I think if we always assume it's monitoring or it's evaluating, then we're going to either put the wrong effort into it and may not get the result we want, or we we actually don't 
meet the needs of our stakeholders. I love that. So in addition uh-huh. to that, asking yourself, right, that question and reading, of course, measurement demystified, <laughs> what would be like the first step that an organization that wants to implement this? What would what would be that first step to take? That's that's a also a good question. So in the field guide, we we thought about that because we said, okay, where should somebody start? And one of the things that's really important is kind of take stock of where you are as an organization. And one thing we actually ask um, our practitioners to do is take an inventory, go out, find out what reports are being used today find out how they're being used. What's in those reports? Are people doing anything with them to the point that Stephanie made earlier? (laughs) Starting to take stock. Now, one thing that we did, we actually put it into the field guide, but not into the other um, book, is a sort of mini diagnostic of what's, what's your measurement maturity. And Everybody always says, well, I want to be at the top level of maturity. I want to be at sustainability. But like anything else, it's that crawl, walk, run. So if you're, you know, if you're really at a very basic and immature state, it's going to take you a while to get there. So be honest with yourself and don't try to assume that I can run before I know how to crawl. So that's a, a big piece of it of know where you are, be honest and realistic about where you are, and then also start to identify some areas in the organization where there are people who are interested in in doing measurement better and start there. Don't start with the most resistant, recalcitrant people in the organization. (laughs) I mean, I I used to do that. I was a change management uh, practitioner for a long time, still do it. And we all said, start with the tough guys, because if you get those, everything's easy. (laughs) No, (laughs) start with with your friends, get that working. And then, you know, and then over time, you you get the rest of them on board. So, um, So I think that that's also the piece of be smart about where you start. Oh, there are so we could we could dig into this (laughs) for hours, I think. Um, But unfortunately, it's time to end. But fortunately, we can still get some more information from you here. So at the end of every episode, we have rapid fire questions. And that's uh, just three little questions that you answer uh, quickly so we can get some more information out of you. So are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. The first question, give us one book that everyone must read and why. So I'm going to give you a book that has nothing to do with measurement. And it's called, uh, it's written by a man named Josh Burnoff, B-E-R-N-O-F-F. And it's called Writing Without Bullshit. And I apologize <laughs> in advance. That's Not awesome. my title. <laughs> it's, it's fabulous. It's for anybody who has to do any writing, emails, blog posts, mm-hmm. anything. It will keep your writing clean and easy for people to read. I think it's great. I just reread it periodically just to remind myself of stuff I should do differently. Oh, that's awesome. And I love the title, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. (laughs) Okay. So what is one tool that you cannot live without? Mind Manager. It's a tool that I use for mind mapping. I love to explore ideas and to brainstorm with people. And it is the best way of getting ideas out without being structured too early. And I find it's amazing. Once you know how to use the tool, which is pretty easy, you get much better involvement. People Mm -hmm. feel more included. It's got all the wonderful things about it. It's it's a tool that I I use regularly. And um, if I 
didn't have it, I would go find one that I could use that would be like it. It's great. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Final one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I've been given lots of advice over the years, (laughs) Um, but I think the one that's helped me most is don't fall in love with your work. Uh, it's uh, one that I love playing with ideas and models. And I find that if you fall in love with it, you will never improve it. So I have to be honest. And sometimes I look at my own stuff five years, six years later and go, that was good, but it could be better. (laughs) And so I think it's really important. Don't fall in love with it. um, And it keeps you, keeps you humble and open to feedback. Hmm. Peggy, we are so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This was so much fun. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it too. And thank you to my co-host as well. Yeah, I'm definitely having a data party. I can tell you that much. (laughs) I mean, this, this has really inspired me to take a different look. So I am so glad for this time with you today. Yes, I'll show up for the party part. And I I appreciate data a lot more today. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) And many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Whether you are a member of our chapter or not, we have resources for you. Go to dcatd.org and choose the chapter bulletin board to read our blog, access the member spotlight, and learn more about how TD professionals spend their time. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.